lots of things are better together. Hockey, food, golf, filling out mock drafts leading up to the actual draft in April, filling out March Madness brackets that are going to be dumpster fires within the first weekend of the tournament here. But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a wash party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. You're listening to DraftKings Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., our buddy Emerson Lazia back holding it down for us in the DraftKings studio in Boston here. We got a great show for you guys today. As always, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review us. Leave us a five-star rating and check us out here live Monday through Friday from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern on DraftKingsNetwork.com, our YouTube channel, Samsung TV+, Plus, Roku, and catch the best of on VSIN from noon to 1 p.m. Eastern each and every day. Fun one guest-wise today, our buddy Jessica Smetana is going to stop by and help us break down these damn baseball pants and maybe a little of what's going on with Notre Dame <laughs> over the last 48 <laughs> hours. And uh, Arizona State head football coach Kenny Dillingham going to join us here. Uh, Kenny's comments, uh, I think, brought some people on notice the other day talking about the current state of NIL and college football, the coaches that have been departing for the NFL and other levels. And I'm fascinated, Dad, as I'm sure you are, to get a current college football head coach at a Power 5 school's vantage point on all of the changes in the sport kenny's one of the young guys he's 33 years old he's at the helm of his alma mater at arizona state and i think is a really unique vantage point as one of the guys just now getting into his head coaching tenure in college football and how all of this has affected his experience even so far yeah I, I look forward to talking to him as you mentioned a young coach and everybody talking especially coaches about how hard it is to coach in college and it certainly has changed the landscape has changed and in my opinion, what, what Kenny Dillingham said was very refreshing. And, you know, you'll hear him say it as well. It's just, you know, this is, this is a job a lot of people want. You know, not to say the landscape didn't change, but I'm doing something that a lot of people want to do, and he enjoys doing it. So we look forward definitely to talking to him. Uh, quickly, for those of you on the bingo card with Jesse Cofield, uh, who, was, who was part of this show uh, and is off now on her uh, – as she's getting ready to give birth to her second child. Still at this point, we have no news of her giving birth to that child. So for those who are trying to guess the date, she's due February 29th, still nothing. So uh, we get a non-pregnant Emerson, uh, Latia in the I do <laughs> have a food, studio. baby. Uh, well, there That's you go. Right, buddy. There you go. Knew you had that. <laughs> Knew you go. had that. So that, like you said, a lot, 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 <laughs> couple of good guests, a lot to talk about. NBA was back in action, though. So uh, we got some uh, some interesting games and uh, could set up some interesting scenarios down the road yeah jj reddick uh, thank you for your services during the dead period after the all-star game you can now rest easy because the hoopers are back and we had a bunch of action last night dad but the nightcap and one that i think a lot of people were interested in mostly for nostalgia at this point i think more so than reality warriors and lakers played the warriors get a 128 to 110 win in a game that dad seems like a preview for the play-in round and this has worked out incredibly well for the nba ever since they instituted the play-in tournament for the postseason where you've gotten a couple marquee matchups you've gotten these teams with great names and star power on them and seem pretty evenly matched 
until Golden State makes the run, Dad. Like, both of these teams, I think, are absolutely capable of beating the other. The problem seems to be in what the Lakers ran into last night on a night where Steph Curry had 32 points and looked like he was cooking, especially from beyond the arc early, is the Lakers lose the math problem. They've gone all in on a style that, as we know in the modern NBA, is a little bit outdated, and the Warriors capable of making runs like they did last night, combined with that little surge of youth they've had injected into the lineup this year. Seems like it might be too much for them, but I think still is the play in everyone's rooting for. Oh, without a doubt. Remember, uh, LeBron did not play last night, still nursing that ankle. I think he's supposed to play uh, tonight. They've played twice this year. We had that great uh, double overtime game uh, a while back, 145-144, Lakers won. And as Mike said, Golden State wins it last night pretty easily, 128-110. They play two more times. They play March 16th and then April 9th. And as Mike said, with the new play-in, and for those that are unfamiliar with it, the top six in each conference are automatically in. Seven, eight, nine, and ten are playing for the last two slots. And the way it works, seven and eight play one another. The winner is the seven seed, and the loser plays the winner of the nine-ten game. If you're nine and ten, you actually have to win twice uh, to become the eighth seed. And right now, the Lakers and the Warriors are the nine-ten seed, so they would play. It, if, if the, the old if the season ended today, they would play. Winner would still have to win one more game to make the playoffs, but loser would be out. So it'd be that elimination game for the loser. And yeah, listen, we, we all hope for that. In a in a sport of series, baseball does the same thing. You know, not going into the playoffs, but if you're tied at the end of the year, you have that one game. You're just not used to that in series sports, right? When you're playing one game to continue on. And, and that's what goes on. We know with the tie in baseball and now with the playing in basketball, uh, that, that's what can happen. It's one and done. If you lose that 9-10 game, you're done for the year. So we're all looking forward to that. We still have, like I said, what, 25 or so games to go uh, to see where that all can end up, to see you know where, where they are. Because as we said, right now they're 9-10. and 10. They're three games back from Sacramento sitting in the eighth slot. So we'll see. Time will tell. But yeah, I think we'd all like to see that down the road is that one game kind of elimination thing. Well, and you're right, Dad, the, the single game elimination certainly does to add a different layer to this sport than we've seen. And it, it makes it somewhat exciting. There is that excitement around it in Major League Baseball season when we'd seen it. So I understand all that. And with these two teams in particular, you're right. LeBron James not being on the floor last night, huge factor in all that. But trying to spin it ahead, Dad, because as we've mentioned, we can have this conversation because it seems like there's a clear upper crust in the West where there's a bunch of teams bottled up between like one and four. But then after that, a pretty sizable gap that I don't know if is going to be made up in the final 28 to 30 games. And so it kind of seems like this will be as is. And it makes me wonder, Dad, which of these teams would actually be more capable of potentially pulling one of those early round upsets once you get out of the play-in tournament. Like if you are Minnesota, if you are Oklahoma City, who are both rolling right now, OKC looked great last night against the Clippers. Which of these teams scares you more between Golden State and the Lakers? Because I'm inclined to say at this point, it's Golden State. Like with the way yeah. Steph Curry is playing combined with Jonathan Kaminga, Pajemski, and what he's done as a rookie this year, they just seem to have enough dudes that have been a shot of life into the arm of a Golden State team that, listen, is still going to have to deal with the fact that you're only going to get Klay Thompson like every other night, it feels like. Had a real off shooting night again last night after before the All-Star game, that 35-point barrage off the bench. It still feels like the Warriors, again, because of the style of basketball they play where you can go on these runs and bury you from beyond the arc, probably have the best chance of being the upset bid. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt. Uh, the style that they play, they're never out of a game. And even Steph Curry said after the game last night, he said, you know, not sure what kind of a run we can go on, but we can beat anybody at any time. You know, we, we he said, we can be that tough out uh, for a team. And, and I agree. If you're one of the upper teams and you're looking down at the bottom of the conference that's going to get in, I would without question fear Golden State more than the Lakers and, and I get the Lakers are like the Cowboys are like the Yankees are like Notre Dame everybody talks about it, everybody wants to talk about them uh, but but in this day and age of the NBA Golden State just it's kind of like Kansas City you say Pat and Golden State you say Steph you're in the game you're in the game because you have Steph Curry I mean bottom line Clay Thompson's 
not even that guy at the end anymore, and he can still come in and dagger you at times as well. So, yeah, their their style definitely bodes better for them. Um, it, shocking somebody. And again, if they're in that in that you know nine ten and win and then win again, they would be the eighth seed. Now you're playing the top. The uh, that 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 scare would be for the top seed in the conference, right? Wouldn't that be something uh, to be a tough out for the number one seed if, in fact, they were the eighth seed? Well, and, and yeah, I mean, talking to Amino Hassan the other day, it's like, yeah, there is a premium for experience in the postseason. If you are this Minnesota Timberwolves team that, hey, you completed a great turnaround after a rough first year with Rudy Gobert at the helm and you look great. He's going to win defensive player of the year. It all feels good. And then you get this boogeyman that waltzes out of the play in tournament. Be terrifying for everyone. And there was part of me, Dad, last night that as we got basketball back and a lot of teams were in action, and we'll talk about a couple of the other MVP candidates that were out going to work last night. Yeah, I, I kind of got a little sad last night because you're going around in these games and you're seeing Steph Curry as this elder statesman who's at the helm of a team full of young guys that are coming alive, his running mates around him and Clay Thompson. I mean, Draymond's wearing all the gray in his beard. You hear, hey, Steph's in his 15th year. And he seems like he's a guy that's kind of understanding, hey, like you said, we're probably, we're not capable of what we used to be right now. And so he's navigating through that change. There's going to be even more change coming for him this offseason. Kevin Durant being 35, LeBron James sitting on the bench looking as old as he has. It, it's very like, I don't know, it was sobering to see and really realize for a second, oh man, the guys that have been the center of the basketball universe for the last decade plus are really close to the end. Like, we are so close to a league that doesn't involve all of these guys. And as we talk about the next stars and next man up, man, it's some big shoes to fill personality-wise, what these guys have meant to the game and what they've done as champions. Sobering is the correct word uh, that you move on. Listen, this happens in every sport. You know, when you move on from certain players in the NFL, it's normally a quarterback, a group of quarterbacks you move on from. Here, I mean, you're seeing in this era, and it's a long era because of the, uh, how much LeBron and Steph have played, you're seeing without question, I don't think there's any debate at all when you, when you finish this, the greatest shooter in NBA history. There's a debate on those of LeBron James on where he is as far as greatest player of all time, but he's in the top team picture. So you're saying one of the greatest, in some people's minds, the greatest player of all time, the greatest shooter of all time. And oh, by the way, yeah, Kevin Durant, the seven-foot freak that we all looked at as this skinny kid coming out of Texas who couldn't bench 185 pounds one time at their combine, just be this unbelievable star in the NBA. So you're right. You're always looking for then the next. But these guys have done it over such a long period of time. You know, it was kind of like in golf. Who's the next Tiger Woods? And it was like, well, nobody at this point, you know, has grabbed that mantle. So, I, I you know, at this point, we can sit there and we threw out names the other day of who could be the face. But you got to do it for a while, right? We're talking about 23, 24, 25-year-olds as the new face of the league you know, well, as you mentioned, Steph, 15 years, LeBron, 20 years, Durant, you know, obviously in double-digit years as well. So it's tough to replace. You just kind of go on. I think the game is in good – don't get me wrong. I think the game is in good hands with some of the young stars that are in the NBA. But what we've had to watch and deal with for the last two decades has been incredible, and it's going to take time to talk about – you know, the younger players now, it's going to take us time to talk about them in that vein, if at all. Well, yeah, because part of that's going to be, hey, like, I understand, I, I don't want to turn this into, hey, it's just rings plus minus, and it's however many championships you can hold right. up, but having exposure to these guys on the big stage for a long time did matter in building the lore. Like, we watched the Golden State Warriors yeah. go up against the LeBron James Cavs in the NBA Finals for four straight years, and I understand some people got sick of it by the end, but think about if you're the NBA building stars and building your product and getting it that good for so long where you've got the 73-win Warriors, you've got the 3-1 comeback LeBron James, you've got so many of these things that are just incredibly box office great narrative things that build the lore around these players that have then also followed that up with incredible longevity where they 
they get these multiple chapters to their career. So it puts a lot of pressure on the guys that are up next right now as we talk about something like the MVP race, Emerson, because we saw a couple of other games last night. We mentioned Oklahoma City and what Shea Gilgis-Alexander's been doing. Yep. And then there was Luka Doncic and the Mavs. Given the Suns a little bit of chin music last night as Luka continues to be on a scoring tear this season, leading the league in points per game for the first time in his career, and Emerson trying to put his closing argument in an MVP race. Yeah, for sure. There's tons of young talent. You guys want to get into that on the MVP board right now on DK Sportsbook. So you have Nikola Jokic. He just posted another triple-double last night in Washington. He's got one now against every team he's played against in his nine-year career, looking for his third MVP in four years in the driver's seat at minus 140. So he's 29. SGA at plus 220 for crying out loud. What is he, 24? Luca's around like 25 here. So yeah, the league is in good hands when you look at the stars who are emerging, who have been around for seasons already. Who is atop your MVP board right now, Gojo? Yeah, I mean, you probably got to defer to the the current MVP and Nikola Jokic and what he's been able to do, even though the Nuggets haven't been as dominant in the regular season as we've seen in years past. I think part of that is, hey, they understand and recognize now after going through that deep postseason run to win a title, we kind of know when we need to throttle up on this thing. The bench players have been a little bit different this year. But, Dad, I think of the guys that are left on this, I'd love to see Shea Gilgis-Alexander and OKC continue to get a lot of shine. Yeah. I think that's an incredible story overall. But Luka is just so individually compelling on this team. And now that they've weaponized Kyrie Irving without him saying some sort of weird, controversial conspiracy theory stuff, this is a team that's really interesting. You saw, I think, them against the Suns last night, Dad, was kind of a perfect encapsulation of what might hurt the Suns down the stretches. Between Luka and Kyrie, you've got two very clear ball handlers that can be distributors, decision makers, create for themselves off the dribble. You've got someone in that point guard role, and it still feels like Phoenix at times is asking guys to work a little bit outside themselves with Devin Booker being the primary ball handler, with Kevin Durant bringing the ball up on certain occasions. And you saw it, it gave Luka plenty of opportunity to shine in a game where it just seemed like he couldn't miss. Yeah, but I, I wonder at this point, and that's what the beauty of the last 20-some games I think is going to be. I, I don't know if there's a clear, you know, the, the like, oh, yeah, it's this guy's to lose. You know, obviously what, what Jokic has done and being the MVP, you probably look at him as, the, as, as, you know, the returning guy. But you just mentioned three names, SGA, Doncic, and Jokic, right? So right now SGA has his team in the second spot in the Western Conference. Uh, Jokic is fourth, and the Mavericks are sixth. So I do think, remember, this is a regular season award. Mm -hmm. Who leads their team to the best finish? I think that's going to be important. If SGA holds off those other two teams and keeps his team at two or maybe one, or only one game behind Minnesota, I think that's a legitimate thought of, hey, he held off two you know, known superstars to keep his team above them. I think that's going to have a lot to do with it because right now you can throw out stats of boats, Luka number one, SGA number two in scoring. You know, obviously Jokic, is, is he's not. He's, he's out of the top 10. He's 13th. But look at everything else he does. It's absolutely ridiculous what he did. Again, for, he had another triple-double last night. Let, let's not lose a headline here. He did it. He had 21 points, 19 rebounds, 15 assists. He did it going 10 for 10. He's the first ever to have a triple-double shooting 100% uh, from, the, uh, from the field. I mean, that, that's an amazing thing that he's done. And he's now uh, had a triple-double against every team in the NBA where Russell Westbrook and LeBron James have it against actually every team because uh, uh, Nikolai Jokic has only been on Denver, so he hasn't had one against Denver. Russell and LeBron have had it against their former teams. Throw in there and give love to Maurice Stokes, who played from 55 to 58 for the Cincinnati Royals and Rochester Royals. He's another player that had done that as well. So, I mean, let's give some love to the, you know, some of the former players in here as well. Are you going to tell your Maurice Stokes story? <laughs> you were all so fired Maurice up coming Stokes, into the pre-show I mean, meeting when you found out this information, deep diving on Maurice Stokes. This is, I mean, it, it's it's sad, but, but you know, very interesting. Maurice Stokes played for three years, and I think it was his second last game. He, he was playing, and he hit the deck and hit his head on the floor and was knocked out. 
He, they brought him back, uh, you know, they, they got him conscious again. He played the rest of that game, played the next game, and then he had a seizure after that game. Very unfortunate, they believe, because of the fall two games ago, and he was completely paralyzed. Uh, and Jack Twyman, one of his teammates, actually became his legal guardian and took care of him. And for the next 12 years, unfortunately, Maurice passed away 12 years after that happened, and Twyman was his legal guardian, took care of him, his teammate. In, in June of 2013, the NBA actually announced the Twyman Stokes Teammate of the Year Award, which recognizes the player that embodies the league's ideal teammate that season. So Stokes' name is in there with LeBron and Russell Westbrook and with uh, Nikolai Jokic, but uh, what a, 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 a very, very sad ending to his career, but what an incredible pair between Twyman and, uh, uh, Twyman and Stokes having that bond, and now, you know, that award that started in 2013 for them. I, I, I love reading back on some of the players back in the day on on their, you know, their careers and what had gone on with them. No, it, it's incredible and had absolutely no idea myself. So uh, just an interesting cap to a wild night in the association. Coming up next, though, the EA Sports College football video game making some interesting waves as it announced its pay scale for the players involved. Next. It's the most wonderful time of the year. March Madness, getting ready to go in college basketball. And we got some of the best stars in the sport finally trying to close the deal. Zach Eady at Purdue trying to see if he can cap off an historic career with a championship. Much like his counterpart on the women's side and Caitlin Clark, who's been one of the biggest names in sports this entire year and is looking to see if she can snag that elusive championship that's eluded her during her career. Regardless of who makes it to that final game of the tourney, though, one thing's for certain. It's going to take the most talented people like the two I just mentioned working together to help these teams play at a high level. If you're hiring, you want the most talented people on your team to help your business go to the next level. How do you find them? ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com Gojo. ZipRecruiter uses matching technology to score excellent candidates for your job. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's powerful technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And once you review your list of the most qualified candidates for your job, you can easily invite your top choices to apply, so they're more likely to apply sooner. Pick ZipRecruiter to help you build a winning team. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash Gojo. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. First time in more than a decade here, EA Sports will be releasing a college football video game. A lot of fans celebrating the arrival of EA Sports, College Football 25 this summer. No group, well, I don't know, depending on who you ask, is rejoicing more than the NCAA players here. So they're going to receive $600 uh, for their name, image, and likeness. Uh, plus, guys, they're going to get a free copy of the game, around 70 bucks. So all 134 FBS schools have agreed to take part in the game. After your Irish said, we are in, we will participate. Uh, Chris Baller and Kirk Herbstreet will be the announcers on this thing. We pretty stoked. 600 bucks enough to convince you to do it, Gojo? Hmm? Yeah, so this has become the interesting debate because, Emerson, you mentioned the schools all said that they're in on the action yeah. here, but the players actually have the ability to opt in or out. They've got a choice to make in here. They're going to use one of the uh, NIL platforms that's become popular. I forget which one it is, but they have until a certain date, I believe, in April to go and actually opt into the game or not. And EA has committed to taking the top 85 players from each team. For anyone unaware, you have 85 scholarship players on a given college football roster. And so 85 over 133 teams, you're talking about 133 teams. You're talking about roughly 11,000 players that have this decision to make it $600 a piece. And dad, I was very interested because yesterday a lot of people started up the debate online of, is this enough? We had this game go away, 
back in 2014 because of a lawsuit that alleged that, hey, the athletes not being compensated for their name, image, and likeness was a problem. We're now at a point in time where name, image, and likeness is something athletes can profit off of, and everyone looking here and making a comparison to what goes on in the NFL for the NFL players and their Madden checks and what they get for that, which is in the area of about $20,000, is $600 enough, Dad? How did you view this as someone who certainly was never involved in being in Madden or anything like that, but has seen the way that this has evolved over time. Yeah. They didn't put, uh, in my era, they didn't put us in any pong games, you know, (laughs) or things like that. That (laughs) $600 back in your day is like $5,000 today. That would have been, that would have, we never would have got it. We'd have got 50 bucks uh, is what we would have got. I, I, I guess my thought is Mike, would I like to see the players get more? Yes. But what's their, what's their Avenue out of that? Unless you got together, you mentioned 11,000 players, get all the top players from each team to say they're opting out so you don't have it. Will that have an effect on the amount? I mean, that, that's the thing. I mean, you don't have any kind of organization amongst players to push back on something like this. And, and many of the players, quite honestly, will, will, they'll love 600 bucks, right? They're, listen, we sit there and talk about NIL, when we talk about players getting NIL money, it ain't everybody. Everybody's not getting NIL unless there are deals out there that include whole teams. I, I think what was it Utah where every scholarship athlete got the yeah. use of a car <laughs> or in some places, hey, the whole old line gets something. But not every player gets NIL. You know, we, we read about the stars who are making all this money, but for every star, there's 10 to 15 players that aren't making a thing or very, very small amount. So... I don't think you're going to get a lot of pushback, and that's what you would need if you wanted to change that. But there's not a players' union for college players to say, hey, guys, whoa, don't opt in. Let's talk about this. If we all band together and say no, if all 11,000-plus of you say no to this game, they got to give us more money, unfortunately, that's not going to happen. No, I think you're right, Dad, for all those reasons. And it's one of those spots where I look at this and I look at the current state of college athletics and all the things going on for players and everyone else and go, not every fight has to be the fight. And I don't know if this is the hill that I would like to die on if I was a player, because you mentioned the NFL, you've got probably one sixth the amount of players in that league and, you know, anywhere, especially accounting for practice squad guys, like 2,500 guys between 22 and 2,500 guys a year on those teams that have a long history of having a union. And even for them, it's difficult to get on the same page all the time on a lot of issues and get (laughs) things done. What you'd be talking about here is a coordinated effort amongst a much broader landscape of college athletes in far more varying financial situations, levels of the sport that would come together really for the first time in order to fight the power on what would probably amount to what mid four figures at best as a payout for everybody involved, all while you're trying to go to class, navigate the new NIL landscape, figure out how to become a young man and a college football player at the same time. We're asking too much of them and the adults in the room that are trying to help on the outside. I appreciate the effort, but this just doesn't seem like the spot with everything else that's at stake where I'd be having to push back a ton. And then you look at the math of the situation, dad, and you go, all right, the first NCAA game is going to sell like hotcakes because they haven't had it in a while. But traditionally, it never sold as many copies as Madden. You've got more players to spread that pool around to. And like you said, they've got no union. So while on principle, yeah, EA was going to have to pay him something because we've had too many headlines about this. It was only going to yeah. be so much because they've got no group that they're really having to negotiate seriously with in this prospect that's got any kind of real leverage in the situation the way the NFLPA does. And you made the point, even though I had the NFLPA and we had negotiating rights, it, it still, everybody wasn't on the same page. You're absolutely right. I mean, we still had the, the in our sport, again, compared to, to the rest of the country, it's a lot of money, but you had the haves and the have-nots that we as a union couldn't agree on things. Some of the, the guys making more money wanted things that we negotiated that benefited them, while the greater percentage of foot soldiers like myself were like, wait a minute, that's not benefiting us. We wanted to try to find that middle ground. That's for professional athletes with representation. So that to me is going to be one of the next things going forward, Mike, in college. Are we going to get there? Are we going to get to unionized players, which Northwestern tried, you know, and, and some others I believe have tried? Are we going to get to that holy where that that's to me 
is because I agree with you. The NCAA $600 for the EA Sports is not the hill to die on. Where is? Is it going to be revenue sharing? Are we going to get past NIL? We have comments from Nick Saban we'll talk about a little bit later. Where is this going next? Is it revenue sharing? Is it a union amongst players? How will they be, they be represented? It's going somewhere. We're not sure where, but yeah, this isn't the one to pound the gavel on and say, no, 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 you've gone too far with a, a paltry $600 for each of us. Yeah, I think you're right. Eventually it goes that way. But again, I always do look at it and try and remind myself, hey, from a player standpoint, these guys asking them to come together and unionize, considering they're in a four to five year window, they're incredibly, you know, in transit players in this process that you're asking to go out here and fight the power. It was the same thing that came up during the pandemic when we were asking a lot of these guys to stand up and send a message and risk their limited window to go out for the greater good. That's tough to ask. So it's going to happen, but it's going to happen because the courts, these people that are decision makers far outside their purview are going to make it so and force it to be that way. But yeah, like at the end of the day, to go back to Emerson's original question, though, for the vast majority of guys, like we don't know at this point what the average like NIL payout per player is on even, right. let's say, a power right. five football team. But if you were to do it at percentages, yeah, a couple of the top guys are probably going to feel like they're not getting their due. But that's the same in the NFL. Quarterbacks making $30, $40 million a year are all getting the same style of payout for Madden that the other guys are. When I was getting into when I was getting into trying out for the NFL, it was like 10 grand a year. The most recent stuff I've heard is about 20 grand a year for everybody. So that's gonna mean different things to different guys. But for the vast majority of dudes in college football, if you say, hey, we can pocket you 600 bucks and either pay for rent or a next couple of months of drinks on a college campus, and then we'll get you this game that you're in. I think most guys are going to take it, and I would have probably been one of the first ones to raise my hand and be like, hell yeah, let's do this. Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where, as you mentioned, getting on the same page, I'll, I'll go further. You know, my union, my, my players, guys, we are all together in the same union. When I was playing, the quarterbacks had what they called a quarterback club where they were getting completely separate things from the rest of us because, you know, they were the quarterbacks, and that's the position. So, as I will continue to say, even amongst players with a union and representation, there was a group that wanted to separate themselves because they felt they could make better deals for just themselves, the quarterbacks, than, you know, the lonely, you know, occasional starter starting defensive lineman. So it's just not going to happen on the college level. And, and that I'll con continue to keep saying, when does it and what does what gets these guys together? Yeah, hell yeah. I mean, listen, at least in the NFL level, we can say the brass, the owners work together and are able to get stuff done. In college football, we've seen leadership can't even work together, let alone the players. Yeah. Whether you're hosting game day or movie night, DiGiorno knows that planning a watch party on a budget isn't easy. You need the perfect setting, the perfect squad, and the perfect eats. Luckily, you're a game time mastermind, and you know that grabbing DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza can bring home a dub because it's packed with half a pound of cheese, sauce, and other toppings, and comes at an incredible price. Make the game-winning call and grab a DiGiorno Classic Crust Pizza from the grocery store today. It's not delivery, it's DiGiorno. Basketball supernova Caitlin Clark continuing to drive the sport to new heights here. She did struggle last night, looked human after all, and Iowa's loss to Indiana. So the NCAA women's scoring leader, who's setting NIL merch records left and right, had just 24 points on 8 of 26 shootings. So that's 3 of 16 from 3. She needs 75 points now to pass Pete Maravich for the all time record next game she's going to be playing mad gojo illinois sunday one o'clock eastern time when she is playing it feels like appointment television does it not so where do you think she ranks among biggest names and not just college sports right now but sports in general uh, she's certainly up there very high and i feel like dad and as we bring in our dear friend jessica smetana who you guys can catch over on the dan levitard show uh in here to join us now 
And we got a lot to get to with Jess, especially with very sassy baseball pants making the round through MLB spring training. (laughs) I I did want to touch on this because what's gone on with Caitlin Clark, as we've seen now, Jay Williams very publicly start to be the guy that I believe is running with a Stu Gotts take that Caitlin Clark can't actually be the GOAT because she hasn't won a championship yet. Uh, Jess, I don't know about you. I've almost been heartened to see this kind of like normal meathead sports talk radio device applied to women's basketball now is a sure sign that the sport really is crushing it right now if we're doing goat debates to this extent that is a, a fair point i think it is it goes without saying it is like the laziest take of all time which is why we associate it with stugats you just uh, this player is not great because they didn't want a ah. championship doesn't take into account the fact that she's playing in her home state at a team that is not a women's basketball powerhouse and did take them to the ncaa final last year not to mention all of the records she's broken along the way but yeah we're counting ncaa championship tournament rings and she doesn't have one so she's not great sure i think there's probably a uh, a large group of people that would say, yes, this is a sign that women's basketball has reached the mainstream because now we are getting these types of takes. I think there's probably also a fair amount of people that think, do we have to do this in women's sports? We already do it enough in men's sports. Can we have our coverage of, of our sports be a little bit better, a little bit more nuanced, a little less hot takey. But I think the answer is probably going to end you up somewhere in the middle where it's a little bit of this is good, but like we don't have to always do the hot takes for every single thing that happens. Yeah. to, To hear the line come out that I don't think she's, you know, one of the greatest, she's really, 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 really good. But do we go great? I mean, I just you kind of start to shake your head. And again, as Emerson said, struggled last night, 20 points in the first half against Indiana, but just four in the second half, 75 points away uh, from Pete Maravich in the all-time record for Division One. So I, I guess, I, I guess where where does it go, Jess, with her? You know, we're talking about NIL and 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 jersey sales and and what she means. I, I guess if the sports have changed over time now with NIL and and how you're out there uh, publicly, where where does she sit in your mind in this new era of college sports? She's certainly one of the greatest of all times. I think that it's that type of conversation is always open for debate as it changes, but her college career is not over yet. I'm really interested to see how they do in the tournament this year. Um, As you saw, if you watched the game last night against Indiana on Peacock, women's basketball right now is as competitive as it's ever been. There are, I think will be around nine big 10 teams or eight big 10 teams in the tournament this year. There's Uh, nine teams from the ACC. It's super competitive. It's really hard. NC State also lost last night. Um, It's going to be a really, really big challenge to get back to where Iowa was last year in the final. Um, If they do it, it will be because of Caitlin Clark. It will be because she can put up these numbers and she can have her, her fingerprints on every single point in a game almost. So Indiana played a really tough and physical game last night. Um, There's only a couple games left in the regular season before, you know, all the conference tournaments and things start and we get to figure out a little bit more what the seeding will be in the tournament. But yeah, I think it's impossible to have a conversation about, you know, great college basketball players without including the person that now holds the record for the most points in NCAA women's basketball, which right now is Caitlin Clark. And it's going to be tough to beat that record. I mean, and I think even outside of that, because you're right, just these goat debates, it's interesting coming off all the JJ Reddick first Kate conversation the other day about the way that we cover all these sports. And I think my general takeaway was there's kind of room for all of it. If this is an access point that brings a couple more people to watching Caitlin Clark or checking out an Iowa women's basketball game because of that, that's probably a net positive, even if we'd like things at time to tamper down a little bit. But she's broken contained. She's become a star, not just in the world of college basketball. And we know the last time I feel like we really had a star of this caliber in that sport was probably Zion Williamson at Duke on the men's side. Like, it doesn't feel like very often we get players that become a national headline like this from college basketball anymore. But we've seen in the last couple of years, especially the women's game has been much more adept at producing those. I'm not sure if you have a theory as to why that's been the case versus what we've seen from the men's game that I don't feel like has nearly as many household names right now. I think there's a lot of things to consider when we're talking about women's basketball and who does break contain and which players we give our attention to, because there have been stars in the women's game that haven't gotten the same level of attention as Caitlin Clark. And I don't, I don't say this to diminish like any of Caitlin's records that she's broken, anything she's done because she's a phenomenal player and deserves this attention. But I think like over the last several years, you can look at 
a lot of players in women's basketball and wonder why they didn't receive the same level of fandom and stardom. Um, it, I think of Aaliyah Boston last year, one of the most incredible players I've watched in college basketball, who was uh, rookie of the year this year in, in the WNBA. Um, she it was phenomenal to watch a, a really great player, a great interview. We had her on our podcast when I was doing our sh my show with Kate Fagan last year, Off the Looking Glass. Um, she's someone that is is now doing uh, studio analysis, and she's she's everywhere. But I don't really see the same level of you know accolades. Like she's not getting the same. I'm not trying to, you know, put them against oh, one another. Obviously, I mean, Jess, we, but, can, we can we can say the elephant in the room. There's a lot of white hoping that goes on with someone yeah, like I've, Caitlin I've, Clark. Yes, it does in a sport I've, that's overwhelmingly led by black women seem to not platform them in the same way as their white counterparts at times. Yeah, and this is something that we've talked about a lot on the Levitard show, and Kate and I used to talk about a lot. Uh, it's the way that women's basketball seems to be marketed to a wider audience. It always favors women that are, you know, straight, women that are white. This is something that what WNBA players have talked about for a long time is something that coaches have talked about for a long time. And it's a, it's a reality about the sport that I think people want to ignore. And I think people, when you try to have the conversation, think that you're trying to diminish someone's achievements and Caitlin herself has handled all of these things really well. And I, I give her tremendous credit for it, but it is something that, you know, you can't really look at why hasn't there been a star like this? Well, I could, I could tell you a few reasons. There have been really great players in women's basketball and people don't want to pay attention sometimes. It, yeah. It, well, I very mean, she's true the big, and yeah, you know, she's the biggest star right. in women's basketball right now. South Carolina's the best team in, in basketball right now, trying to go undefeated first time since UConn did in 2015, 2016 season. So we'll see how that plays out to go from a serious topic to a not so serious one, just the uh, Major League Baseball new uniforms came out and basically they're see-through. So what does that mean for you? Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> it's insane, right? Like <laughs> these pictures that I'm seeing on social media, I don't even think you can put them on your show because they're so graphic, although I guess you're oh. about to. Um, the, so this picture <laughs> you're showing is, is uh, you could see the shirt tucked in through the see-through pants. I saw some photos on social media last night that were much more graphic, <laughs> and I'm not entirely sure if they were Photoshopped or not. Um, nope. The fact that you can believe that it's real, I do think still shows that there is a problem there. Uh, so I've, I've seen the downplaying of like, you know, oh, we're making this like, uh, performance material and this is better for the players and, and players are mad because they can't customize the pants now, but the pants do seem to be the issue. They are a problem. I don't know how they fix the pants. Maybe you reissue the pants. I don't know who's going to pay for that, but the players do not like the pants. And now we are seeing balls through pants. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, there no, it's uh, it's gone from balls and strikes to just balls in spring training <laughs> so far for major league penis. baseball, but maybe sex sells. We got yeah. was, pitch clock coming yeah. up. I don't know if the penis was Photoshopped, but I saw a penis. And yeah. No, dudes are, letting, the penis. dudes are letting it dangle for sure. Thunder from down under. Sweet Jesus. Well, everyone keep your head on a swivel during <laughs> spring training. Jess, thank you as always for joining us, buddy. We very appreciate the insightful <laughs> breakdown of the women's collegiate basketball landscape and uh, balls. <laughs> <laughs> All right, former Texas A&M quarterback Johnny Manziel, he certainly told some wild stories, right, concerning his time in college football. There's the autograph scandal. There's the using the urine from a backup quarterback to pass all of his drug tests in college. Guy was massive in college football. He was the face of it, really, at one point. So imagine him playing these days and able to, like, capitalize on NIL. Well, on Shannon Sharp's Club Shea Shea podcast, he may have let everyone in on what he could have made had he played longer for the Aggies. My dad went and had a meeting with Kevin Sutland and pretty much went to him man to man and was like, we'll take three million bucks and we'll stay for the next two years. And my dad says this is true as, as today as he did when he told me. And I ain't mad at him about it for right. nothing. It's right. the way the business worked back then. Right. There was a bag man. 
There was a bag man at LSU. There was a bag man at Bama. There was a bag man at every school right. around the country if you were competing for a national title. It is what it was. And it was always that way until we're into the NIL portion of everything now, the way it should be. Jojo, I think we had an idea of kind of what went down in college football before NIL rolled around, but to me it is kind of refreshing to hear somebody take us behind closed doors and really open up about it, though. Yeah, it, it, he is a really interesting character yeah. in college football history because of that, Emerson, because you're right, this is stuff that we've all heard about, we've heard about from guys, you know, yeah. off the record, behind the scenes, but very rarely as candidly as Johnny seems to talk about all this stuff, Dad, in large part because we've seen what's gone on in his life, we saw what happened when he got to the NFL, part of this interview with Shannon was him being very honest about, hey, these are all the ways I messed up this opportunity, these are all the people that were trying to help me do better with this and I couldn't, and so because he's lived his mistakes so publicly, he has very few qualms about sharing this stuff that most people would rather keep private because I think for a lot of people, they think, oh, what a stain on my reputation this would be if people knew the things that were going on, if people knew the underlying business of college football at the time, and Johnny's just like, no, here it is. This is it offered up on a silver platter, and I think it's really productive because there's so many people in and around the NCAA that want to act like this was never the case as now we moved into this world of legalized NIL and all of this happening in front of us. Yeah, we've heard, you know, smatterings of stories from other players over the years, but Johnny really broke it down. You know, the, the documentary on Johnny and what he did is, I mean, is there a guy that took advantage and, and lived college experience like all of you would ever, all of us would have loved to live the college experience? I mean, that dude took advantage of every perk that came his way and more power to him for it. It was breaking the rules of the NCAA, but he was in a line of others that had done it as well. Hell, he even said, you know, when uh, when Reggie Bush got his uh, Heisman taken away, he's like, I did way worse stuff than Reggie Bush, and I still have my Heisman. I mean, uh, and, and all the bagman stuff, we all knew that happened. Hell, I got offered money when I, from other school, another school when I was getting recruited. I mean, it, it, it happens, and... Everybody just wants to make kind of that dirty little secret of stuff that maybe didn't really happen. But Johnny's out here spouting, yeah, all this stuff happened, and I'm not afraid to talk about it. Wait, I don't think I knew that. So wait, back in, what, 1981 when you were getting recruited, you got offered money by a bag man? Thousand a month. Oh. Thousand a month, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. In that, 1981, that's yeah. a ton of money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It would have been great drinking money for sure. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I did. And, and yeah. listen, I, you know, it, it's, it, it definitely happened. I mean, he's not wrong. That stuff happened, and it happened at obviously major amounts. Of, and I was considered, I mean, th this is how ridiculous ratings are. I played linebacker in high school, and I was rated as the number one defensive lineman in the country. Oh. I never played D-line, yet, yet they rated me number one. I mean, that that's how ridiculous some of these ratings can be, but – you know, it led to being heavily recruited and, and uh, like I said, offered offered some money there. So uh, th that stuff is true. And Johnny, I mean, man, uh, it, it's a shame with the pro career. He just didn't put enough into it and, and admits uh, that he didn't. But, you know, I, I do I think he opened any eyes? No, not really. I think it's just it's just cool to actually hear the stories. You know, his dad going to Sumlin and talking about three mil and talking openly about things that we kind of know went on in some shape or fashion in college sports. $1,000 a month in 1981 is $3,554.41 in 2024. How about that? Yeah. How about that? Dude, you were you could have been good, loaded, bro. Good work, if, good work <laughs> if you can get it back in the day there. But, it, Dad, it, I think you mentioned it there. For a lot of people, the reason, and I remember at the time, now I was pretty young in this industry, and it was at that point fun to see someone that didn't feel like they had to be constricted by what we expect a star player, especially a star quarterback to be. He lived loud. He was himself. You had the money sign celebration. He was really, really loud in a sport that usually asks you to be very quiet and buttoned up when you played the CEO position, and I think that's why a lot of people like myself and others, he was sort of the micro version of what the 2017 Eagles Super Bowl represented versus the Patriots dynasty where, hey, you can do this with a little more flair. You can do this with a little bit more personality, but we also saw the toll for that on the other side for him. He talked 
with uh, Shannon Sharp about uh, LeBron James. And when he was in Cleveland, Johnny Manziel was playing for the Browns. LeBron was obviously there with the Cavaliers and said LeBron tried to put an arm around him and he rejected it because he was so depressed with what was going on in the rest of his life because things had spiraled out of control. I thought this was really interesting. All right, well, we don't have that sound apparently. Take I word was stray. Yeah, but uh, yeah. yeah, no, he... He talked about, he said LeBron used to invite him over to play cards, to do a lot of stuff with them, to try and basically give him the game early on to be a big brother to a guy that was in his hometown trying to do this. And dad, it's a good reminder now that this is what Johnny went through very privately back then because he had to. And now that we've got this all going on publicly, I think the spin forward for the modern athlete is We've got guys now that are coming into this money much more legally. We've got guys now that are going to have similar trappings and problems that can come along with that. I'm not here to boogeyman it. I want these guys to get the money. We let 18-year-old adults do plenty of things in this country. We should let these guys be able to go out here and make money, especially off their name, image, and likeness. We can get to the rest of that stuff. But it's also a reminder, we've got to do the teaching on the other side. These higher learning institutions, if they want to back up that name, owe it to these guys who are on their campus giving their bodies for the cause here that makes everyone else all this money and gets everyone else upping enrollment rates and all this ancillary benefit for the school. They've got to help prepare them for what comes along with this stuff because if not, some of the feelings that crept in for Johnny Manziel when all this fame and all this money starts to do and run its course in the way that it can for some guys and certain personality types, this can be what comes on the other side where you get guys that end up incredibly depressed and going through these trials and tribulations because it was just too much too soon yeah i mean listen we're we're in the area that's a whole nother discussion about the mental health side of athletes who have been great athletes that go on to college and then for whatever reason it's not there for them anymore they're in a different situation and there's no help for them because we're only concerned about you on what you do on the football field it's so much better now for the players because they don't have to do things in the shadows, right? You don't have to worry about, okay, I'm doing this. This is wrong. Am I going to get caught? Now it's legal. So at least there's that. There's from, from the mental side of it, there's this is legal. I don't have to hide in doing this. I can do it out in the open. Uh, but look, we've also said this for years that there should be courses, especially in the summer, I always thought, for athletes on how to manage things, how to manage money, and how to do the simple things you're going to need in life when you don't make it to the pros of your sport, which most percentage of people don't. But as as we've seen, colleges, for the most part, get you in class to make sure, you know, you got your grades, to make sure we have our, you know, grade point average up there and get you on the field to get the most out of you from there. And other than that, everything else is gravy. And and it's gone even worse than that now. Now schools even think, well, hell, you're getting money, so you're fine. You know, where maybe there, there, there is more help that's even needed. But I don't know if it's going to be there for these players because now they can get outside help with everything. So the school's probably like, you can do this all on your own legally, so you go ahead and do it. Yeah, it's a great point that everyone is trying to navigate this space at the same time very differently. Coaches also had a lot of these changes put in their lap and said, make sense of this. And we've seen it's been a different experience for everyone. So coming up next, let's visit with a current NCAA football coach at the D1 level and talk about navigating these changes with Kenny Dillingham next. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.